Hello everybody, welcome to the Watch Gecko Time to Unwind podcast, as usual with myself, Richard. Well, it's very exciting today because we're on location. They have actually let me out. Uh, we are at a beautiful pre-owned Rolex dealer, primarily Rolex dealer, which is very local to me in the town of Ashbourne called Avanti. And I'm very lucky to have with me Alan Matkin and Sarah White, both from Avanti. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks you, Richard. Richard. Thank you so much for giving up some of your day for us. No problem. Great to be here. Right, so first things first, what do you guys do here at Avanti? Sarah, Sarah. first. I'm newly appointed uh, operations manager, okay. um, so I'm just uh, overseeing um, Avanti really. Yeah. Um, the different departments, we've got the workshop, um, obviously everyone upstairs in the office, uh, marketing and the retail side as well. So, yeah. Cool. She, she's doing all the things I'm not very good at, Richard. Okay. Which is lots of things. Explain. <laughs> lots of things. <laughs> well, I've been doing it for 40 odd years now, and I, I still really do enjoy this business. Mm. Um, but uh, I think, you know, I'm over 60, and uh, I don't envisage going anywhere. And, you don't look it. No, thank you, Richard. Thank you, Charm. Um, no, I don't, uh, but I, it's nice to see people like Sarah who've worked with her <coughs> in the business, and, you know, coming through and taking, you know, more and more responsibility and adding a different angle to it, really. So I'm, I'm enjoying that side of it. Fantastic. So you're in a, we're in the beautiful village of Ashbourne, which is alarmingly close to where I live, so we all know the area well. Mm-hmm. I've walked past your window a thousand times. There's probably a mark in the glass that yeah, mirrors my profile. Yeah, I've got your nose print. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the, you know, focusing on the watches primarily, tell us a little bit about the business and what you actually do here. Um, well, the business for many years was <clears throat> is based on jewellery, really. So for, we always sold watches, but it was fundamentally a, a jewellery business with repairs, watch repairs. We always did all the skills. And over the years, we have expanded our goldsmithing side. So we've, we've now got four goldsmiths, including one of the best goldsmiths in the country, a guy called Phil Horton. So we're we, we well and truly covered on that side. And uh, probably seven, eight years ago, I guess, I kept putting off the idea of going into watches. I said to you, Richard, partly because I feared all, you, all the, uh, the anoraks at the risk of uh, nobody ever speaking to me again, coming into the shop and spending most of the day chatting to me about, you know, old watches. But the reality is, I dipped my toe in, enjoyed it, found out, of course, it really appealed to me for many, many reasons, which we can talk about. And believe it or not, one of them is, which doesn't make sense to a lot of people, the margins are very tight, it's very transparent, you know, yeah, it's the only way you're going to make this business work is if you're competitive and you offer a good service. So I actually like the fact that I was dealing with a product where you couldn't do it for everything, but you've got tight margins, you're buying, you're selling. It appealed to my gut instinct, if you like, as a 14-year-old when I sold my first BSA motorbike. And there was something about the watch industry that was interesting. So whilst, you know, I'm never going to pretend to, to be an expert across all all the range, you know, we've we've developed over the last few years quite a bit of knowledge in certain, particularly in Rolex, Amiga, Cartier, as you know, we've developed quite a lot of knowledge on a retail level with that. We're quite fussy with what we buy. And as you know, and we'll talk about, we've been lucky enough to have a very fine watchmaker on board who's been able to lead us through this process. But we can come back to that, yeah. Richard. Okay, so you briefly mentioned the stock that you carry. What, I mean, I've just had the, the pleasure of walking past your window. 
But for the, for the people who can't see that now, yeah. what stock do you, what do you aim to carry? What, what, is your, what is your perfect window? I mean, at the moment, we have about 50 to 60 watches in. Um, most of them, over 50% of them are Rolex, aren't they? Yeah. Um, covering all the different um, you know, sports models and um, the yeah, models. And yeah. Ladies and gents, really. Yeah. Um, and then we try and um, have some other luxury brands as well, like Cartier, um, Breitling, um, some Tudor watches, Amiga. Um, just yeah. They're the brands we, we tend to focus on, yeah. as a rule. We normally like to think we've got a good stock of Rolex, mm. Amiga. We like to buy Amiga and a few Cartiers in there, as Sarah said. And I think we do get, we'll get IWCs in and, we, mm. and, and we'll get the odd Jaeger in. And, and I think the customers like that because mm. we're not one of the big players with 300 watches. You know, a lot of the watches that come in, actually more and more of them tend to come in through part exchange and through customers buying a watch off us and wanting to swap something in. I mean, I sold a, a Seamaster, fairly current Seamaster 300 the other day, blue dial, and the guy, uh, he bought in a slightly earlier uh, Amiga, I'm trying to think which model it was, uh, one of the coaxels, um, lovely watch, but it was just another example of how we've got one out and got one in again, there's another sure, Amiga yeah. in the window. Yeah. So yeah, that's that, but we do tend to, we, you know, we're not trying to cover all the bases, right. you know, we haven't got the space and we've got too many other things going on in the business. But, but some of the customers seem to like that. They like the fact that, you know, we've got 50 or 60 watches and they're forever changing. Yeah. yeah. You know. So is there anything then that you probably wouldn't take in just out of interest? Um, I think providing it's obviously if it's a quality brand and it's especially if it was a brand outside the norm for us, we'd want to make sure it's got really papers and box and everything. The majority of our watches are box and papers, mm. but we, we all have to break that rule occasionally. And the key thing is, is if you break the rule and it has, you know, it's, the paper's got lost 20 years ago. That's where we've been lucky that we've had Malcolm, who's a, you know, Rolex, formerly Rolex accredited, taught at two universities, head of virology at Birmingham. He was able to check the movements. We do serial number checks. So we're in a position that we know what we're buying. Yeah. And that's one of my big concerns in the industry, that a lot of people don't really know what we're buying. Had, had it been just left to me, and we hadn't had the connection with Malcolm Wadlow, then I wouldn't have known always yeah. what we were buying. So I've learned a lot over the last few years. Obviously, his 40 plus years in the trade, you know, are, are unbelievable really. And the knowledge that we've gained over the last six or seven years, he's led us through this journey of pre-owned watch sales. I can confirm I have met Malcolm for those listening and he is a force to be reckoned with, <laughs> isn't he? I mean, he is. You, you wouldn't want to challenge him in a watch knowledge competition, would you? <laughs> no, definitely not. No, definitely not. So, I mean, is, is, are there set criteria, say for example, that you would put into a, a part exchange or a watch coming in that it's got to have to pass muster? I mean, you said obviously, yeah, that, you know, box and papers is ideal, yeah. but it's not always possible. No. So, I mean, have you got like a checklist? I mean, I'm thinking more from a perspective, say myself as a buyer coming by, if I see that and I think I want that, in the back of my mind, what do I know you've done to that? Mm. Yeah. To get it, to have it to in the privileged it. position of being in your window. Um, well, I might be a better answer that one, yeah, I guess, because that's so. more my side, really. I mean, I think, you know, initially you're looking at the obvious things like, wear on the bracelet you know that's a bit of a no-no obviously there's a point at which you look at the bracelets and think they're so far out of line here 
a restoration is not really practical and a replacement bracelet isn't really where you want to go. No. Once you get away from the bracelet and the clasp area, often the case, the glass, the movement, of course, can be often restored. You know, we've had many a watch come in that, you know, it's got all the box and papers, the bracelet's fine, but the case might want refinishing, the movement wants a service, a new glass. Um, so all those things can be done and you, and you can bring a tired looking watch back to really a first class example. And, and again, it comes back down to having the skills on the site that we've been able to do that. Um, but I think certain things cost a lot of money if they're wrong. So a bracelet, for instance, on a Rolex, you know, can be anything from 1,500 to three, 4,000 pounds. And often there just isn't the profit in the watch yeah, sure. to allow that to happen. So you have to be fussy in certain areas to make sure you're not causing yourself more problems further down the line. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, if, if I came to you saying with, I wanted to do a part exchange of something in the window that I really loved. Um, would things like having my watch serviced within the last year, is that an added incentive to you? Yeah, definitely say that's a bonus, isn't it? Yeah, um, especially if it's got papers. If yeah, it's got yeah no, no, I mean, I, would, I mean, I, I mean a, a recognisable yeah. service, yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're, we're always advocating on the magazine preventative maintenance. Yeah. Um, we don't think the message has really got through on that. It's, Astonishing how many people you meet that have never had their watches serviced, don't see the need for it. And no. we, we always think, please do it. Yeah, people really try and hold off as long as possible, especially with kind of Rolex and Amiga um, over more recent years, extending their um, warranties to five yeah. years, you know, or longer. Yeah. Um, and people thinking just, they can just leave it as long as possible before servicing it but you do need to keep on top of the because it's not cheap at the end of the day it's no. Not, no. I think I was quoted £725 from yeah. my Speedmaster yeah and that is quite a thought because yes. you know in the industry like yourselves we're very cognizant of the fact yeah. that some people won't spend £700 on a watch yeah, yeah. so yeah. It, it is it is a lot of money I mean I think I think you know that my, my, my opinion is that even if we're at the moment, obviously the, the economy is struggling a little bit mm. in areas. The watch market has dipped down a little bit. Again, we can talk about that in a little while. But, but fundamentally, I think most people quite rightly believe that the classic watches, Amigas, Rolexes, nice brand watches, even if they do it occasionally have to spend the five, seven hundred pounds, they'll probably see a point in the future where the watch has gone over and above. You know, I mean, a lot of things that you buy Very good point. immediately lose value. I mean, we go and buy a lovely coat from somewhere for, I'm not saying we would, but let's, the people that would say spend a thousand pound on a coat are probably very aware that if they try to sell it the next day, it's going to be worth 300 pound or 100 pounds or nothing. Well, a car. So your car, yeah. you're losing money on a car. Yeah. Second you drive it out the forecourt. It's gone, yeah. yeah. You know, you're yeah. a couple of thousand down. That's right. And I mean, that applies to some watches. We can't yeah. kid ourselves. I mean, one of the reasons I've focused on Rolexes is because you know, obviously my little business brain is said, well, you know, they're good for the customers and they're good for us because, you know, we've bought Rolexes in and we've sold them regularly three months later and we come to replace them and they're costing us the same to buy them as we sold it for. Mm. And now that I do think that's that's settling down now. It's We know that some watches are dropping back down a little bit. But, you know, that's that's a real incentive for the public to buy and for the public to have them serviced because... I, funnily enough, Richard, we've had a couple of, in this last week, I've had a couple of watches I've noted on our system that we sold five or six years ago, 
in the, so you know the earlier part of us getting more seriously into watches and they both brought Rolexes back in for a service and both customers have said we've seen what's happened to the values really? you know I, I think one of them I'm, I'm can't remember exactly say it was £3,250 at the time and I, I said well you're looking at over 5000 now even in the current market for that watch so the idea of spending £600 on a service doesn't seem too bad no, no, especially if your watch has increased in has value. Increased yeah. In value yeah. a, a, another um, CEO in a watch company said to me not long ago, he said, um, luxury watches, in his view, are the new art. Mm. You used to buy a painting to put it on your wall and it would increase in value. Yeah. Now, people are doing that with watches as well, yeah. which is another subject because yeah. it gets us on to flipping, but we'll deal yeah. with that later. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean... Obviously, with a shop, you are offering something more than the, 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 the sort of the plethora of online dealers that we have. And, and I'm not knocking them. We've got good relationships, with especially some of the, the huge players mm. that we all know who they are online. But if you could talk to somebody who was undecided where to buy a watch now, what would you say would be, I mean, we all know what this is, what is the added benefit of coming into somewhere like Avanti rather than buying it from something.com yeah i mean it's you're getting to see the product firstly um actually get being able to see what you can buy and then you get the the actual experience of coming into a shop and especially somewhere like us where i mean alan's built the business on customer service um and it's something that the, the staff it's one of our core values here is you know looking after customers and um, ensuring good customer service, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. So we'd always recommend coming into the shop. Um, you know, if they're lucky enough, we can always go up, pop upstairs to see Malcolm. Yeah. Um, and lots of customers have, haven't they? Yeah, um, especially those really yeah. keen on their watches. Yeah. Um, because we get a lot of um, well, watch collectors come in and purchase as well. Yeah. So. I think just um, to be able to try it on, and you yeah. know, to be able to look at it on the wrist. Um, you know, and then then they very quickly understand that the you know we did they're dealing with a forty year business. You know, they're dealing with staff that have been here a long time. You know, we, it's just as important to us that we get it right because you know our reputation's up mm. there. So we just we just that's just a given for us anyway. You know, as a business, mm. we, we're we're a single store, independent. Mm. We've got one shop to worry about. We're very lucky. We ended up with a, quite a nice size shop, as you know, and good window space. That's that's really all I've ever wanted. So we can really focus on giving the best best we can. You know, and when customers come in, they look. They can look at various watches. They can bring their watch in. We can often get that assessed on the day. Mm -hmm. Certainly, we've been able to do that. We've been able to get it assessed on the day. Look at the condition of it. If we're doing a part exchange, that's helped us to help get the deal over the line for the customer and for us. But while we're doing that, often they've got the watch on the wrist and they're working out whether they're falling in love with it. Mm. But they've probably, as you know, Richard, they've probably done a lot of research and they know what they're looking for. They've checked the prices against online. Yeah. And in fact, we see ourselves, we cannot be really any more expensive than the big online players. Mm. In fact, I would say we're probably often cheaper because, you know, my business model was always, you know, you've got a fairly low margin, often it's less than 10%, mm. but you need that because you've got VAT to pay out of it, but providing you can keep them turning over, then actually it's, it's still a successful business model. It might not work if it wasn't a part of a, a bigger jewellery business, because on its own, 
that margin might not cover all the overheads. Yeah, for sure. We're very lucky. We, you know, we own the freehold. We're in a strong position to say that's an addition to our business. Yeah. So we can be competitive. We yeah. can compete against the online. But that's, you know, it's easy for me to say that. But actually, the customers know it because if you, Richard, were buying a submariner, a late 80s submariner, the first thing you'll do is look at all the places that you know about and you'll look for box, papers, condition, how good, if you know the dealer or yeah. if it's a private sale or if it's one of the big online companies. <clears throat> and you, most people, majority, a good percentage of them will formulate based on that knowledge. And, and you definitely would, Richard, because you're in, you know the industry. You know, you're going to be quite savvy about it. And there's lots of people like that. And, and so our job is just to use our judgment to come up with the best product mm. and then the rest of it basically takes care of itself really. I think that I think this is a really important point and I don't think it can be underestimated because yeah we're in the industry but the nice thing is we're still all watch enthusiasts and buyers and that's a critical in our business probably like you said we are enthusiasts it's important so we can, the passion comes over but I think what's really important to stress is that people could be forgiven for thinking that a shop is going to be more than somebody online. Mm. And that's really interesting. You've debunked that theory yes. because you are you have got to be competitive. Mm. And it is so much nicer to come in and say sit with someone like Sarah and go through the watch in detail and look at it and be able to interact with yeah. someone. And you briefly mentioned, which was going to be my next question, is that I'm assuming I have seen a regular visitor in your shop last time I was in, and I could see you had as we described off mic, the banter with them, yeah. and you obviously got on with them. So I can see that the relationship's critical to you. Mm. I would say that is, I'm probably going to get complaints, but I would say it's far less important to the online dealers because they physically won't have that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you, we, we sell through Chrono24, right. and the reason we sell, so we, we, we have an online presence, and we get good reviews on that because we, we send out good watches and Chrono 24 for, uh, it is less slightly less personal I personally think they've, they've got a good mm. they've got a good basis there for selling watches I've never really pushed out into other areas maybe I should so you know I certainly wouldn't take away from the online uh, because we are we are a part of that the majority of our watches probably 80 or 90 percent of them do sell through the store so mm -hmm. that's backing up really what you say but if you've got three four hundred watches in stock if you're one of the, the few big players yeah. and you have got a big online presence it would be nearly impossible to offer the service the personal oh, service that we could yeah. anyway mm -hmm. so i think you know you need half of that yeah, yeah there's, room, shop, there's yeah. room for everything really there's room for everybody mm -hmm. and everything and and we, you know, we one of the things with Chrono is that it's probably been a good way for for people to see our watches, our range. They don't always buy off Chrono. You know, I'm sure that some people will look on Chrono and then they will find that it's in Ashbourne and they will drive up. And I think yeah. Chrono will understand and expect that. Yeah, they do obviously expect that if if it, if the sale starts through Chrono, it finishes through Chrono. So, you know, I've been quite happy on that. You know, nobody wants to pay the commission that they charge, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's just what part of the, the package mm. that helps get more watches and more people seeing our watches. I think, I think from my perspective as a, a buyer, um, you know, if I'm looking online and I see no box and papers, I kind of put that one aside maybe. Yeah. However, 
the flip side I would say would be with a working relationship with you guys or a, a purchaser, you know, buyer relationship with you guys. If you said to me, I've got a fantastic yeah. sea dweller in. Yeah. No box and papers, but it's it's a beauty. Yeah. That would not be a negative for me. Yeah. I would want to see it yeah. because you've got that relationship. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's always some, to my mind, I mean, I'm happy to be corrected. Yeah. To my mind, that's always just that little advantage you'll always have over yeah. the um, things. And I think because you go into like a Rolex AD now and everything is sample only, you can't buy anything. Mm. Yeah. That's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but, and you go into like a, an Omega Boutique, for example, and there's actually very little in there in truth on display mm. it's people can be a little bit cynical around the boutiques and the mm. the shops and yeah. I think it's really important to dispel that mm. and say if they can find people like yourselves it's a real gem on a high street yeah. and it's really worth going in and you you've, you I guess you were saying you you were happy for people to to pop in and talk yeah, yeah. absolutely it's not yeah. just about yeah if you're not buying I'm yeah. not interested no not at all I've just prior to you coming I've Literally, well, it was just it was about half an hour or so before you came. I had a guy ring up who's got a couple of Rolexes he wants to sell. He wants to come in and see us maybe this week after four. It was one day, and I spent about very I thoroughly enjoyed talking to the guy for about ten or fifteen minutes. And mainly, what I was telling him is how he needs to before he comes into me, how he needs to look at where the value is on his watches, mm -hmm. how he needs to start to understand what he's likely to get for them. Never mind from me, from the industry. Because it isn't rocket science, you know, and, I, and I'm happy to sort of tell you what I said to him, but I don't want to drag it out for you. But, you know, it was basically an understanding of what people, the, the average price is, what the lower price points are on the likes of Chrono. Because if we buy a watch off, say him, it's no point me looking at the dearest watch on Chrono. And, and I mean, Chrono want the five, six percent. It's no point me offering him that and hoping I can sell it in the store. Yeah. I've got to buy it at a price that I can be at least no more than midway on Chrono, for instance, as a price point in my window. Sometimes we're at the lower price point. And by explaining that a little bit to him, he was, I think he, he was pretty switched on anyway. And he, he very, he said, I look at Chrono, I look online all the time at the prices. But it would be very easy of him to look at the high end price and think, mm. oh, well, I'll get £500 less than that, so then it's the trade. Well, if it's a £12,000 watch, the six the £600 can go straight out in commission mm. on Chrono for the dealer before you've made a penny. Then you've probably had to check it over, you know, you might have had to service it. You've got VAT to pay on the a profit. A cost implications. So, you know, and all that has to happen within 10 or 15%. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. But that's, you know, that's what, when I said to you about, I really was quite refreshed by the fact that I was moving into a part of the business that the, mar you know, the margin is what the margin is. You can act, how many businesses can you actually say, this is our margin, you know, and we need this, otherwise mm. it won't work. Mm. There's very few retail businesses you can do that. And that's, that's why another, it's a bit closer for an investment. Yeah, people. that's another so, nice thing about Avanti is we're very transparent with the customers and that's with jewellery as well, yeah. uh, along with watches. So it's another benefit of coming into the shop. Mm. Um, we're just very honest and transparent with customers on, you know, yeah. what we can do for them and, yeah, how we can help. And I think customers appreciate it. And again, that's just down to having the personal relationships yeah. and the, yeah. The, yeah. the openness to do it. I, yeah. 
I can only be a great advocate of it because I, I don't think there's any substitute for it. Mm. It's, yeah, there will always be the, the enormous internet giants who yeah. will have thousands of watches in stock in America and here. And, yeah. and they say, yeah, we can get the one in America for you within a week. It's no problem for them to do it. But yeah. Yeah. I find the whole thing a little soulless. Yeah, just me. Yeah, yeah no, just I mean, Richard. Not, well, look, not, the, not the opinion of Watch Gecko. One hates yeah, it. No, 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 it's no, just sure, Richard's sure, opinion. Yeah. You know, look, I, you know, we, you're moving really in a way, Richard. When you actually go one step as a retailer, mm. you're actually talking about small towns, mm. cities, people, independent and small multiples, who offer all sorts of products. We in a, we in one of the things I get involved with is in Ashbourne is 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 obviously the local traders groups, the retail side. And all towns, a lot of towns are struggling, not all towns, a lot of towns are struggling now. So what you're describing actually is a custo customers remembering the importance of dealing with independence, mm -hmm. keeping people in the high streets. It's more than just watches. Mm. It's, it's, it's everybody needs to start thinking about looking after the high streets and keeping them thriving. It's not just, I'm the first one to go and have a cup of coffee. I did it this morning before you came. But there's more to life than that. We know that. And having good, quality services in small market towns and customers coming into them and taking the view you're taking which is about supporting independence and getting customer service mm. you know you're right this your podcast this is reminding people the importance of that even if sometimes it costs them a few hundred pounds more on some occasions mm. they've got peace of mind they can go back they can bring it back and say you know i don't like this it's not worked it's a problem with it you know and they will hopefully get good service we certainly will from us mm. but i'm sure most other independents would, would you know it's harder to look somebody in the eye if there's a problem than it probably is if it's just come through the post you, you know? send them a return label yeah it's that's a lot right. easier yeah, a lot yeah. Easier. yeah. no I absolutely agree amen to that yeah um the the pre-owned the luxury watch market um I mean, obviously, we study it all the time because we're constantly writing about it in the magazine. It goes up, it goes down. The prices sometimes seem like the, the numbers seem like distances between planets and become alarmed by them. I mean, over the last 10 years, say, let's start regionally. What differences have you seen? Well, that's... I... I came into this, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but let's say we started doing it more seriously seven or eight years ago. I, I can't remember exactly, but it was around then, probably probably eight years ago. And I went to one of the big exhibitions in London. I spoke to one of the big trade guys at the time. It was quite well established. And he gave me the impression at the time that I'd missed the bubble had burst, you know. And I remember talking to him and thinking, he's probably right, you know, but I've made the decision to go for it, so here we go, give it a go. Um, so he obviously felt that the previous three, four, five years, which is going back to, you, you mentioned 10 years here, mm. it's going right 10 or 12 years back where the market's been getting more and more buoyant on pre-owned. And he was actually wrong on this one because when it ended up, in my estimation, it went again. You know, from that point I came in, it just kept going up and up and up, and everybody kept thinking it's going to collapse. Now, inevitably, it was going to come down at some point. Nothing keeps going up forever. And we started seeing, certainly on a local level, well, I think it's pretty general, we started seeing a real correction in prices about probably six, eight months, ten months ago. And, you know, in my view, you looked at, you know, I stopped buying 
Rolex Hawks probably about a year ago I was I wasn't actively buying them off the public because I was seeing the prices going way over the 20s and people were talking about them going to 30,000 and I'm thinking this can't this is the, all the signals are it's really getting a bit too hot in 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 this market and certainly on certain sports models so the Hawks being particularly yeah. one of them so I, all I did at that point was I stopped buying that kind of watch and I did occasionally put one in on sale or return for people and we saw we saw the market decline I mean one particular guy a lovely guy switched on he paid twenty two and a half thousand for a hook and he brought it in to me to sell for him and really in my opinion at the time I remember saying you should have paid 19 at the time then and obviously he'd overbought. He ended up selling it for about £18,500. So he did take a big a big knock on that watch. Within probably six months, it was probably 17. I know they're going back up a little bit more. So it was understanding which models were overpriced and some were particularly overpriced. And I, and I presume by that rationale then, there are some that are, you know if you put it in the window, it's going to go. Yes. I mean, for a while, there's, in our in our what we specialise in, if you like, which was core um, Rolex sports models, you know, all the all the ones that you all know, you guys know very well, mm. you know, the Batmans, the Hawks, the Submariners, the non-dates, so all of these have always been core to our sales. But you, of course, you date just, and we, we've, because Malcolm's been here, we've been able to do a lot of the older models. You know, we've had lots of 90s, 2000 date just coming through. And we, yeah, you we've a shifted vintage one there. in when I was here last time, didn't you? Was, was that the, the vintage the, one on a NATO you were yeah, servicing? Yeah. That's right, yes, yeah. But so. I mean, there's certain models like, because one of my questions is going to be is what are the most sought after models? And it, you can go to, say, a Red Bar event or something like that, and you never meet anyone, for example, that's wearing a Peril Monster. Mm. No. It just doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen. <laughs> Which is kind of weird. Yeah. But yeah. you'll meet 20 people that have got non-date transitional subs. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Or whatever. You know, so I've, I'm just curious, obviously, from the business perspective, what do you know is going to go in that window and you think 24 hours will be gone? I don't think you, I don't I don't think think you can say that. Like that. No. 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 I mean, we always stop a lot of subs. Yeah. But apart from that, it's... Uh, it can be so varied and someone will look in the window and look at a watch where you think oh no I think we're going to have this for a long time and it'll be someone's dream <laughs> yeah. watch or I've been yeah. looking for one of these for ages yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah um, it's, it, it is difficult I mean and also Richard you know um, there will be businesses out there real specialists who deal in really high-end vintage you know they might they might not go past 1985 you know yeah. and they might go and they they might tell you a different answer they might say well you know early early non-date subs as soon as i get one i can ring somebody up and sell it i think we we tend to be just we, we buy what we like we, we see what gets offered to us we kind of have a gut feeling that the rolex sports some nice amigas speedmasters seamasters all these watches if we like them you know, and they tick our boxes, we will get them in the window and somebody will yeah. will find them. Yeah. So I think, you know, you, you, your question's right, but it might apply more to other people. Yeah. You know, we are very varied and I think we, you know, we, we mix it in amongst our successful jewellery business 
And uh, we probably could do with somebody like you here, Richard, actually, who's, um, who, who deals with all that side for us, who really focuses on all that minute detail. And, John, you know, you'll have my yeah. resignation in 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's probably what we need, really. Somebody that really lives and breathes it, you know. Because I'm thinking as well, you know, we, we, when we're looking at watches and when we're doing reviews on watches, uh, which we do, we have a review goes up at least one or two a week we do. Yeah. So we're, we're constantly bombarded with watches. So we've got, at the moment we've got Docs in, we've got Maurice McWine, we've got um, Elliot Brown in at the moment. And we, I've got this list of reviews that I've got to do this week yeah. or yeah. into next week. And we always know that you, exactly like you're saying, there's a gut instinct, we're looking at it. And my colleague Sophie will say to me, I don't think many people are gonna read this. But you know, you want to keep the content varied. Yeah. Whereas if I get what I would call probably quite cruelly a stainless steel tool watch, yeah. people will always read it. Yeah, yeah. There is something about the stainless steel tool watch, be yeah. it a tag, Breitling, yeah. Omega, Rolex, yeah, Blomping, whatever. People it just kind of works with people. Yeah. They're, they're kind of they're less less offensive in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. they can be dressed up or down right. easily. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I wear, you know, I've got to... You know, uh, I think about 2020 sub in the end, I ended up with ceramic sub, yeah. lovely watch. And that, the watch that it's kind of replaced is, is a lovely 1967 Amiga 300. Nice. And I mean, I'll show you that, Richard, but yeah. it's a great watch. You know, we I like bought it. it off a customer many years ago. I didn't really place any value on it at the time. It was way before I was getting into the watches. I think I did a, a part exchange against a Raymond Vale, right, and okay. uh, which looking back was was very good for me. But at the time, I didn't really see it as that. Mm. And then after about two years, I, I put it on my wrist one day and thought, "This actually fits me." And I suddenly saw it in a different light. Mm. I looked at this watch and I thought, well, "This is really, really stylish, fitting very much what you are describing about guys who are all yeah. like in the, you know, one steam, of my colleagues sports is a, a fellow author on the magazine, Anthony Peacock. He found his 1965 Rolex Datejust in his house. He literally yeah. found it. His father had given it to him, very plain. The bracelet looked like a slinky that you'd, a kid would drop down the yeah. stair. It was, it was pretty awful. And he'd totally fallen out of love with it. Yeah. And one of the videos we did was us trying to find a new strap for it. Yeah. We put it onto a leather strap, very simple leather strap, mm. and suddenly it looked like a Fleming era yeah. Rolex. And yeah. if it, just like you did, he suddenly fell in love with it again. Yeah. And he said it was a beautiful process. Yeah. Now he wears it all the time. Yeah. It just, yeah. after 30 years, suddenly fall in love yeah. with it again. Yeah. That's lovely when that happens. Mm. Yeah. I think also that's because, you know, as humans, um, lots of m males in particular, I think, particularly, They've, they've, they hear the friends talking about watches. They go into the pub. Mm. It's one of the subjects they have in the pub mm. when they're having a pint and some crisps. And so all of a sudden, you might start thinking about an old Seiko or an old Rolex that your dad had, and you pull it out, and you suddenly start seeing it in a different way because Absolutely. the conversations are conditioning us all mm. to, to see things in a different light. Well, one of the things we love about watches, and we know that there are, this, this divides the watch industry completely, is we're all about the story. Uh, we love the watch itself, but we love the story behind a watch. We love if somebody wore a watch while they climbed Kilimanjaro or mm. while they dived down to the Challenger Deep or yeah. uh, the story about what. And I think a family heirloom watch really 
yeah. pulls that across. It's, yeah. it's, it's a yeah. great thing. It's a story, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting what you said about males, though, is it because we, we're very, very aware of what our demographic of reader is because mm. we've done that on study on analytics. Yeah. And it is inescapable what the demographic of reader is. Yeah. I mean, it's unavoidable. It's heavily leaning towards older guys like oh, ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, but talking of the word demographic, what do you think is your principal buyer demographic? I think that varies quite a lot. I mean, we get customers in who, like I said earlier, um, they're watch collectors, you know, got multiple watches. Um, and then we get in parents who are buying it for special birthdays for their kids, that like 18th, 21st, they're trying to look for that watch that was, or if you've got a 19, uh, you know, 87 oh, watch, yeah. that's year the year, that, yeah, yeah, year yeah. of birth, and sure. we get that quite a lot, don't we? Yeah. Um, I mean, not so as, as much recently, but a few years ago, that every other inquiry was for a special, someone's special birthday, um, mm. just looking for, a, you know, a younger, younger person, so... Yeah. I think it varies. It does it vary. It really varies massively. And the, and the and obviously the upgrades, that's a big part. Yeah. People will come in and they'll say, oh, I've got a date just and I really want to go, you know, for the uh, the Batman say, you know, mm. you've got one in the window, what can we do on that? And, you know, they might have a seven or 8,000 pound watch and they, they, they can put four or five to mm. and that's where they're at with it. And then it's just about making the numbers work for everybody. Yeah, know? for sure. Um, which is always tricky. I mean, you know, my advice is, is has always been with jewellery and watches is, you know, get a second opinion. You know, don't, you know, it doesn't matter how much you, you might come into to us at Avanti and think, well, these are great guys. I can really trust them. But actually, and you know, you've got to go the next step, really. You've got to do your own research. You've got to get the second opinion. We sometimes say to people, go to an auction and have a word with the auction guys as well, because you'll really start to get an idea of where the value is. Mm. And then you've got less to fall out with people about then. I mean, they'll go away and they're nearly always, you know, the odd people that do, because people don't often listen to you. If I said to you, Richard, Richard, go and get another price, you'll probably think, well, I've already decided I want to do the business with you. We can only do so much to encourage you to do sure. that. But, you know, people will go away and they will get prices and they don't always come back, but that's fine because... You know, you know, you're giving them the best mm. advice, and they will come back another time. Then and they'll yeah. go, okay, this is a shop. I, I, you know, they didn't just try and do that's a deal. Important. On me. It is important. That's important. Yeah. I mean, talking about the prices there. I mean, you mentioned somebody maybe had a shortfall. It's almost impossible for us to talk about luxury watches and not talk about the current pricing. Uh, mm. We've had uh, a rant on our YouTube channel, myself and another author which has had something like, we've had a huge views on it and we've had hundreds of comments on it, which have generally been supportive. Some people have said we're idiots, but some have been said we're supportive. Um, and it all stemmed from Watches and Wonders this year when we were writing about the new IWC Ingenieur. And I was writing the press release for it for the magazine. Mm. And I, I wrote, it is the new, it was released that day. It's 11,600 pounds. And then I just, I literally stopped dead in my tracks writing and put a bracket in and said when did these prices become the norm mm. closed the brackets and kept doing the review but that one line triggered this it was like I'd thrown a hand grenade into the table yeah. and people were saying yep yeah, that's a good point when did £11,600 become the norm mm. so what we had was we had a photo of my first Air King yeah. which I bought in I guess it would have been about 90 one something like that. It's about and we had a photo of the current, 
Uh, actually, it was £999, and it was brand new from yeah. the dealer. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had the current Air King, which is five, seven, six, yeah. something like that. And then when you see the two years together, you think, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, we're all in the industry. Nobody's listening to us. Yeah. What do you think of the, the price rises? Have you got an opinion? Um, well, I think... You know, it's an, it is an interesting one, and it's one that, a question that you've definitely got to get your brain on and think about. I mean, we, we all know that everything's been going up a lot over yeah. the last few years. Inflation's an issue. Um, cost of materials and goods are an issue. Um, I suspect a lot of the watch, higher-end watch brands, are, are realising that their watches can, are perceived as an investment. Mm. And sometimes actually placing a higher value on something means it'll be more desirable because the people who are buying it see that it'll have a long-term higher value. Yeah. I mean, you'll know more about it than me, but you know, George Daniels of this world, the people that create very few watches or did used to create very few watches with a massively high price tag. Of course. If the people are prepared to buy it, then I guess that is the value. Mm. And if IWC come up with watches at eleven thousand pound and they struggle to sell them, and they may they may come a time in 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 the uh, you know next few years if things got tougher, when they might have to rethink that mm. process because we all know that they've not cost them eleven thousand pounds to make. But I guess the marketing, yeah. the investment, and everything that's gone into it, they've decided that they can stand that yeah. figure. The public should always ultimately decide what they're prepared to pay. And, you know, the public they will be the decider. They can vote they? with the wallets. And yeah. I think, you know, I wouldn't personally go out and buy that. No. I wouldn't buy one um, because I would probably take a view. And I don't, I'm not familiar with that watch as you are, Richard. But I do know from experience that a lot of the brands do sell way below retail prices. So if I was buying one of these brands, I would expect it to, to reduce price from retail. Ah, okay. We know that doesn't apply to particularly some of the Rolexes and, and some of the... Like a sticker and, on a car window. Yeah, yeah. You know you're not going to pay that. You're not going to pay it. So I think I think that's, in a funny sort of way, some of these other brands, they, they may become a bigger part of our business because the value will be end, end up being better. If you could buy that for £8,000 in two or three years, yeah. you might be comfortable with that. But there'll always be a percentage of the public that be yeah. would prefer to go in and pay the full yeah. price. They will pay the premium. It's interesting because um, last weekend I was up at the Breitling Boutique at Meadowhall and we're going to be doing a podcast with them as well. And I was looking at the Super Oceans and I did question, uh, my, 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 one of my closest friends is a Super Ocean wearer, um, I did question the three to £4,000 price mark. I said, you know, it is, I mean... I feel silly saying this. It is very competitive, yeah. the three to four. And he, and, they, and he said, well, it's actually, I think he was implying it is a strategy. Mm. They really want to come in at about yeah. half of what a sub is. Yeah. yeah. And my guess is, yeah, I mean, I know that the Rolex metal is superior to everybody's. The steel is of the highest quality and everything. Mm. And it's really interesting. I do think that Breitling are trying to, I wonder if they're taking a little hit to try and get numbers Just out the door. Numbers, yeah. yeah, possibly so. I mean, um, I know, you know, I've probably got to be a bit careful what I say because I'm, yeah, I'm not really, you know, Malcolm, our wonderful watchmaker that you've met, yeah. 
you know, he would tell us, given the time, a lot more about some of the movements that are going into yeah. some of these watches. That's, that's going to be a factor. And, yeah. and I think, you know, we've seen it for years, you know, we've seen certain brands that literally the movement is is probably worth less than £50. Yeah. Certainly in the quartz area, in the quartz models. Yeah. And you've got beautiful watches with very low value movements. Now, that can't be said of, of Rolex. Rolex continue to Agreed. keep their standards and qualities. agree. Amiga, in my opinion, are very much the same. I've, yeah. I've never heard Malcolm say yet, oh, I can't believe what movement Amiga have put in this mm. watch. But I have heard it for many other, which I shall other brands are available. say it, yeah. all the brands available. Yeah. So that in itself, I guess, is part maybe some of the mm. explanation, you know. Yeah. But we, you, you know, yeah. you'd you'd have to start doing a look, Richard, at yeah, the movements going into these brands. We, we do we do write about it regularly. We always say somebody's using the um, let's let's make up a name the uh, Avanti Calibre One Twenty Seven. Yeah. And then we all fit in brackets ETA Two Eight Twenty Four Two Base. Yeah. You know, and you realise that to create that calibre, all they've done is actually put an engraved rotor. Yeah, on it. that's right. And then they're, they're bumping up the premiums or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's marketing. It's, it's yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, just briefly. I mean, we're all lovers of the brand here, so I mean, nobody was ever think we go on a bashing session here. But what about availability as well? I mean, I'm thinking availability of some of the the big brands, namely the Rolexes of the world, mm. or lack of. Yeah. Must be a good thing for you guys? Yeah. I mean, even on Saturday, someone came in and they weren't sure if we were at Rolex. Main um, agent. Main yeah. agent. Ah. So, and they came in well, and said, are these actually for sale? And we sort of... Oh, yeah. Like, actually for sale. Oh, yeah. For sale. Oh, yeah. 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 Rewind that and listen to it again. Somebody actually asked, are yeah. they for sale? But yeah. some people do think they're just... They're just to, just to view, you wow. know, just samples or whatever. Yeah. What a statement um, of the market. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was yeah. definitely well, pleased when a, he was able yeah. to, yeah. I've got a really good friend who's just bought an Explorer. Mm -hmm. He's not local to here, so yeah. didn't come here. Um, and he was happy to pay, I think it was 400 more mm. for immediate availability. It was about six to eight months old to watch. Yeah. yeah. But he was happy to pay 400 over a list. Yeah. yeah. Just to have it. Well, that's, that's, and that, to me, that feels like reasonable. I mean, yeah. And especially when you look at the fact that next year that that same model will probably have gone up whatever four six percent or whatever, so you know I mean look we've we are all seeing models that are of course twice the price or even now in the market there's certain Rolexes that are probably at least twice retail, so I think four hundred you know you would yeah. pay that yeah. why wouldn't you pay four hundred pound if you're prepared to spend if you can walk out the door pounds. with it yeah on yeah. your wrist but, which is you know, what we all want to exactly. do yeah, yeah yeah but but the reality is is that he probably bought that at a good price anyway and to actually only pay 400 pound over list mm -hmm. if you go back to what we said at the start where you imagine a retailer like me trying to make money out of a watch that you've you've only got four to six hundred pound profit in if five percent of that's going to the likes of chrono there's no profit in it mm -hmm. so he obviously just he was i think that would be a, a good you know if somebody said to me it's a sports model and it's 400 pound over list and i want one i'd say well if it's just snap the snap the hand off because you know you're often going to have to pay more than yeah no it's a really good point well, i don't know well what, and i don't know what year it is all i know is it from what this was about me, this was about eight months old. so it's an eight month old watch yeah. so it was a fairly current watch it was yeah. purely box papers everything was right yeah, it absolutely. was a small premium you know, buy them every no, time if you want yeah. one, you know, because we, we can yeah. very rarely sell a watch like that 
with £400 over because nobody's going to sell it to us. Mm. Everybody, the public who may have bought it from the shop, majority of them want at least that just to mm. even before they consider selling it. The good news was it was from an independent on a high street. Yeah, good, well done. That's what we want to hear. He's probably crying in his coffee every morning that he sold that one. <laughs> well, my friend certainly is. No, he's <laughs> very happy. He's very happy with it. Yeah. Um, it seems very fair. Very no, fair. so, I mean, pre on, last question on the pre on market. Advice from you guys as experts, please, on how to avoid buying a blooper. I don't know if there's, a, I don't know if yeah. that's a technical term, but yeah. we all know what yeah, I mean. We all yeah. mean, yeah. I always uh, think go to a trusted dealer if you can. Um, if you can not buy off the web and go yeah. into a shop, yeah. then I think that's always a, a bonus as well, benefit. Yeah. And I would, I would add to that because what I would say is that you know, uh, even even dealers, mm. and I was one, I was one of the ones that made a mistake, you know, mm. a number of years ago, and it was the heat of the moment. I was under pressure. The guy himself was genuine. He wasn't actually a rogue. Um, he just had bought this watch. In his opinion, it was right. And I broke that particular day. I broke my golden rule. I didn't ask Malcolm to oh. check it. So it cost me, and it was a lesson learned, big lesson. It had the box, it had the card, it had, I'd see, even seen a copy of the original receipt. Mm. So, you know, I think one of the biggest things that will keep independent watch dealers going forward and, and growing is this issue. I think more and more of your, course, your clients, if you like, your listeners, are going to be very worried that even if somebody like me that's you know at one point got caught out and of course I learned from that it's inevitable that there's a lot of watches out in the marketplace mm. that aren't right for lots of reasons but we we've been able to live and learn from that from our experience mm. if you're new to the market as a, a member of the public buying the first watch you know to go onto the likes of eBay you know, because that's where this particular watch, when you followed it back, had come from. Right. Uh, no reflection of eBay, but just the reality. This had come through one or two hands to this guy. He thought it was genuine. He even drove off from the shop because I'd bought a watch previously off him. It was a brand new Rolex, as it happened. Right. He was a little small-time dealer. He sets off in the car. He said, ping me the money, which I did. I paid him when he was probably half an hour down the road. I didn't actually get to check the watch for two weeks because I didn't need to because I got another one in stock. Big, big lesson learned, big costly lesson for me. I could stand that because we've, we've got a successful watch yeah. business. I could put it down to learning and experience. If you're a member of the public who's done that, then you unfortunately you've lost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So if ever you needed a reason to go to a good independent, that's it yeah. for sure. And the only other thing I'd say is, is I'd, I'd genuinely sometimes be slightly concerned about even the independence knowledge of some of these watches, because they're so good, you really do need to go to the next level, which mm. we've obviously had with Malcolm. Yeah. Mm. But as you know, unfortunately, he's retiring. So, you know, we're not the answer to everybody's watch. You need watch. a Malcolm to need point another, you, you really do need, but there are, there, you, you do learn, you know, when, you, when you've been caught, you do start, you get a better eye for things because it's cost mm. you money. But the public don't want to get caught once. Well, I can stand it once. Yeah. You know, we sold a lot of watches now and we still continue to sell them. And I just have to take it on the chin. So I think buying from an independent and going to somebody that's got a watchmaker available even if it has to be left with the business for a week or it's worth it to make sure that the watch is checked out yeah. so 
sound advice. Mm. So, uh, Sarah and I have raided your window um, in the nicest possible way, and we picked five what I thought were just fabulous examples of what you've got here. And I think that they're five that will, I know from writing about all these watches will really resonate with people. Um, the first things, well, we've got um, three Rolexes here. Um, you've got a root beer. I mean, the GMT root beer. I mean, it's the Clint Eastwood. It's, yeah. I, I freely confess, it is the first one I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, me too. there you go. I don't uh, feel so bad. Yeah, now. me too. I uh, bought it. Um, where did you get this from? Well, it's, it's an interesting one. The guy is a regular customer. He deals with across jewellery, watches. He, he's a clever guy, swaps things around a little bit. Um, loves his Rolexes. He used to go to Salaway's at Litchfield, where Malcolm, our watchmaker, was head watchmaker. So he came over to us when they closed. This is his own personal watch that I, I managed to do a deal with him against a date just, uh, an early 2000s date just. I think it's mid-80s from memory. He bought it from Glen Eagle um, on a golfing trip. So As you do. As you do. And he's, uh, you I know... friends like this. Yeah, no, he was in the, obviously in the day. And I have got the original receipt. Unfortunately, that he did manage, in a house move, he managed to lose the original uh, Rolex uh, certificate, which was a shame. Might turn up yet, but, you know, it's a bit of a long long hope on that one. This is plexiglass, isn't it? Plexi on that one. Yeah, yeah. It it's got the, As you know, it's got the, the, the nipple dial, which makes it specific yeah. to... Uh, a little bit of a little bit of wear on the uh, on the bracelet, which you'd kind of expect for its age. It doesn't feel bad. The the, the jubilee bracelet doesn't feel bad. Considering at all. the age of it, no, it doesn't at all. I mean, what is? Do you know the year of this watch? I think yeah, from memory, it's a, it's, a it's early eighties or eighties. Oh, sorry, it's on the label. Is it? Yeah. Is yeah. it nineteen eighty eight? Eighty eight. Yeah, eighty eight. Oh, thankfully, that's the other yeah. year. Other that side was, of my son's that, birth. That was serviced <laughs> by Malcolm actually yeah. about two years ago for the customer. Yeah, it's, so, it's really beautiful, isn't it? It's, yeah, it is. That would be hugely desirable. I wonder how much it's discoloured from its is original, because I mean, I've never seen a new one. No, no. Um, I didn't, th you know, I've looked at some online, and some yeah. of them have discoloured a lot more than that. So I think it's it looks fairly good, really. I mean, I know we, you know, the patina that comes on can add value, but I think that one dial looks fairly original. It looks really, really good, doesn't it? it? It's lovely. When It's almost like a sunburst effect when you yeah. move it around. You yeah. can see the, the streaks going across it. Yeah. Um, how long have you had this in the window? I think we've had it. We've had that one in about four or five months now. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so oh, that's gosh, another example of what we said earlier, that there's no cast iron guarantees yeah, no. on these watches. You put gosh. your money in and you... You know, but uh, I'm sure that yeah. once your article goes out, there'll be ten people wanting to buy it. Mm. <laughs> oh, absolutely! No, so yeah. yeah, well, let's hope so. Yeah, That's hope the so. whole point. Let's yes. hope so. Come by the root beer yeah. here in Avanti. Now we've got um, two years away from it. We've got what is probably, I think, the nicest watch in your window at the moment because yeah. I'm a simple soul. Yeah. And you've got a 1988 Submariner, non-date Submariner. Yeah. Um, do you know where this one came from? Yeah, I do actually. There's, you build relationships with customers, and one of the guys that I've got to know very well is a very is ended up becoming a very knowledgeable guy on Rolexes, and he collects Rolexes, and he started moving his collection round. He decided to move more towards some date owners. So he decided to relinquish a few of the uh, subs and uh, various other models, but mainly subs that he bought, vintage subs, and that was one of them. Uh, I'm pretty sure 
that's got the stickers on the side. It has, this, yes, this watch has been serviced a few years ago, but never worn since the service. It's got the stripe stickers on the side. So it's a, it is in lovely condition. Uh, it it nice. is a gem, isn't it? Yeah. An absolute gem. It's yeah. a real... Um, and so how, how would you... I mean, we're quite open here because people can yeah, look yeah. it up. It's £11,950. Yeah. How would you come to that value? Well, if I may ask, that that watches we've we had a, we had two or three of them, and I think that's the last similar similar period, and that's the last one of I think of the ones uh, that we bought, and the value at the time would have very much have been placed on what we discussed earlier, which is mm. looking at what the market's asking at a realistic end. Now that may have moved slightly now. Mm. Occasionally we come back, and we, especially. At, over the last six or eight months, as again we discussed, it might be that that watch needs to be four hundred pounds less now. But we're not really in a panic because we also all believe, don't we, that some of these watches will continue to go yeah. up because there's only so many nineteen eighty eight. Well, it's you a know, finite number, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Good example. There will, yeah, there will never be any more. No, there's only going to be less available. Absolutely, because someone like myself might consider that. Yeah. And I think it's probably really unlikely I would sell that because to yeah. me that's that's got it is the the quintessential Rolex to so many people. Yes, absolutely. If you're a James Bond fan, yeah, it's got that live and let die look about yeah. it. It's it's almost it, it's, it's iconic, really. It is, isn't yeah. it? And it's got almost a there's there's a I'm trying to think of the right terminology here. It's got a subtleness that, say, the maxi cases didn't have. It's, yeah. It is, in many people's eyes, going to be the perfect Rolex. It's going yeah. to be one you could asp really aspire to. So yeah. um, I probably wouldn't sell it. So that would be one more off the market. Yeah. I mean, in some respects, you know, I the, the ceramic um, Rolex submarine that I've got, I'd probably, in some ways, prefer that for myself, but I wouldn't go for it because, I, as I mentioned to you earlier, I've got the 300 Amiga, which is not dissimilar. Yeah, for sure. So for yeah. me, it's lovely, um, but and the, the ceramic's really practical, and, and I've actually grown really fond of it now. So, so you know, but but yeah, that is, I agree with you. That's a lovely looking watch, classic, ticks all the boxes. It's perfect, condition. and anybody who's I mean, looking we, at our we, magazine we, now will see it. We'll see it. We tend to. We, we've had a, always had a policy because we've always because Malcolm was has done the Rolex accreditation mm. because he knows it's not just the, the movements but also the finishing of the watches. We've always had a policy unless unless somebody tells us otherwise, we will always put out the watches uh, looking first class just like Rolex would. That's always been our policy. Not everybody would agree with that, but I mean this particular watch has obviously come back from Rolex looking like this, and we would always aim to achieve that. So I think that's something people need to remember when they have watches services. If you really do, if you really want to keep the natural patina, make sure you tell mm. the place you've taken it to. Otherwise, you know they do come back very well to me. That's oh, I've heard some horror Rolex. stories <laughs> of watches coming back with yeah. reloomed, and yeah. the, the poor yeah. owner has been distraught. Yeah, well, uh, I've, I've got a Breitling Blackbird where the indices are could best be described as beige. Yeah, because it was one of the. It's one of the Gen 1s, which is yeah. specifically what I set out to get because it was yeah. Breitling's first ever professional military watch. And I was determined to find one. Yeah. The patina on it is just stunning. 
yeah. it would mortify me yeah, if that right. was changed yeah. and came back bright green. Yeah. Well, you, you reminded me of that we've got an Explorer 1 tucked away downstairs. And oh, every, nice. this Explorer 1 keeps going downstairs and it never stays down there. And there's a reason for that. It's a beautiful watch. We've serviced it. Malcolm serviced it. There's a story behind it. The guy who I bought it off has had it for many, many years. I'm trying to remember the age of it. I'm going to say it was his 60s. He went down, he, his words were, I went down on the train to Plymouth. I saw it advertised in a paper and I picked it up from the guy who'd had it for his 21st and he just sold it, he just handed the watch over. He gave him up whatever it was, £100, something <laughs> ridiculous. He gets back on the train and he come back up to... Derbyshire, wherever he, I'm not quite sure where he lives now, he's, he's nearby. And so this watch has got its own little journey, but yeah. during its life, it's been serviced by Rolex. So it's obviously genuine, it's, it's right, it's got the, the paperwork yeah. with it. But at some point he had the dial restored through a Rolex agent, it's ruined it completely. Oh. So I, to, I send it downstairs, Dawn sends it back up and says it's too cheap, I've just looked at the numbers. <laughs> I look and think, oh, it does sound too cheap. So I put it back in my cupboard. Yeah. And I just, and it's a difficult one, but I know that the price has to be where it is because of the dial. It's just, you know, it's lost that value really. So, and yeah. when it comes back up, I guess it's because I'm thinking I maybe need to find an old dial. And it's because the probably dial might be worth 4,000 on that one. Seeking yeah. a 60s yeah. era. That's right. They're going to not expect a brand new dial. No. And it just, it just, it's gonna. Yeah. Alarm bells are gonna yeah, raise. It's a shame because it? it's a lovely watch. Yeah. Somebody won't mind, but maybe no. I just hang on till one day I start looking for an yeah. old dial and pop it on and make myself some money for one. That it's, might be the answer, and then you could just frame the new dial, that's put it, it up there, it up. just as a little memento. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, talking of new Rolexes, we have a Yachtmaster here, yeah. which is. Well, it, it, it feels like a behemoth compared to when you pick yeah. the older. It's so heavy. It's so yeah. different. It's everything that is changed about Rolex now. Mm. I'm not saying it's in any measurable way not nice because yeah. it's beautiful, but it, it's really interesting to have the watches together and see just how that brand has changed. How it's evolved, yeah. Um, this, this looks like quite a new watch to me. 2021 yeah. it is. Um, why did someone want to part with this? This particular watch, um, at any one time, a percentage of our watches will be customers' watches or collectors. So, you know, at the moment, that probably accounts for maybe 25% of the watches. And that's one of them. And the guy had a collection of watches. He was looking to, you know, turn them back into cash. And because he knows me and his, yeah. the business, he felt confident to leave them with us. So it was just about agreeing a set of numbers that uh, that we could all work with. I actually think I've just had a message come in and I've got a feeling that he has managed to find a buyer for that. So that one will probably be leaving the store if my memory is correct. Good I'll news all right. Check. But I think, yeah, it's good for him because he's he obviously wanted to turn it back into mm -hmm. money for other things. Yeah. That's the nature of the beast. We've got a, an asset here, haven't we, really? Absolutely. And he's obviously got other things that he can do with the money. And um, I think it's car related, and that's why it's lovely to see be. a Rolex on yeah. a non Oyster or Jubilee yeah. strap. I mean, we are serial strap changers because of the nature yeah. of our business. Yeah. And as you may have clocked, you know, the Explorer I'm wearing today that didn't come in on its Oyster bracelet, which yeah. is 
nestled at home in the box. Yeah. In fact, it's a, it's an ongoing irk at home that I have this box in my watch drawer, which is full of yeah. original straps and bracelets because yeah. I've got them all on natives and stuff. Um, I wish you could just buy watch heads sometimes. Yeah. Which leads me seamlessly onto, on the subject of cases, the Tudor FXD, which you've got sitting in front of you there. It's a very divisive case, that one. Well, you can tell me about that because I bought that watch as a new watch, unworn, paid more than we actually sell in it at, and I've still got it. And it's a lovely watch, but this is the watch game for you. This it's is a, a bit that people don't see. You know, it's just waiting for the right person. Yeah. But the day we sell it, we'll lose money. Know, but that is what it yeah. is, you know. You take a few hits on them. But it's a shame because, as you say, you tell me a little bit about the case because, you well, see, this is the your case, The case was specifically built for the military. Right. For the special operations teams because it's got fixed spring... Well, it doesn't have spring bars. No. They're all integrated to within. So the yeah. only way you can wear that watch is on a NATO strap. Right. Now, to me, that's an asset because yeah. I... Adore NATOs and the bulk of my watches end up on them. However, to a lot of people, that would be a real turnoff. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it, it obviously it comes on a really great Velcro strap that we know Tudor do, but my personal feeling is that would look really good on. It would look better on a NATO because the problem with the Velcro straps is they do obviously collect bits and bobs. But yeah. I, I can see the fixed. Sp- well, I keep calling them fixed yeah, spring bars. It's not. It's all no, integrated it's within. Integrated with the case, I mean, it yeah. is. Tudor knew when they made that that this was not going to be everybody's cup of tea. No. Um, however, we really applauded them when they did it, and we actually went as far as saying, I think, when we reviewed it, that we thought it was the best Pelagos they'd ever done. Yeah. Because yeah. we just loved the whole concept of the fact they have, they've designed it without compromise. Yeah. That would be my if somebody was sitting with yeah. this in their hands, you could say to them, it's so rare to find a watch that has been designed without compromise. You could argue probably the only other one there would be the the Rolex Submariner we were looking yeah. at because in 1988, this was a tool watch. Yeah, absolutely. That has been designed to be partly a fashion accessory. Yeah. That has, the, sorry, I'm talking about the root beer here. Yeah. Um, for, sorry, I forget people can't see it. I would argue the Yachtmaster as well has evolved into a fashion accessory as yeah, well. Yeah, I agree. This, the, the, the Tudor, the, the FXD Pelagos is, to me, that is an unchanged military issue mm. style watch. I mean, the Pelagos looks great because of its colouring, the bold numerals, the, 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 the snowflake hand. I mean, it's, it's, it's classic Tudor, but with this really fascinating, when you flip it over, military mm. spin. So my answer to your question would be, to someone like myself, no, I don't think you've got it in too much because to me, the flip side of that is that's mm. worth a premium. What I'd be tempted to do was be, be display it in the window with a mirror underneath it. Yeah, show yeah. it off. So you could, yeah. and you actually have a note saying this is a true mill spec Tudor. Yeah. This is not your normal yeah. Black Bay 58 or 54. Mm. This isn't a league of its own. Mm. This is titanium. It's not. This is where we, you know, it's interesting, you know, and I'm happy, you know, as an individual to say, you know, for all the knowledge I've acquired in different areas, we talked earlier about, you know, your passion for all the different brands and all the different models that you've acquired over the years. Um, And it's lovely to hear you talk about that, really. It almost makes me feel like I might get back to even on it. So, (laughs) so we'll see. Okay. Um, so that, that that to me is 
Yeah. Actually, that's. I know we haven't talked about the fifth watch yet, yeah. but to me, that's the star of the show. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I'd keep it as it is. Yeah. Some no some problem. some sad ex-military guy yeah. will come along. Stand I, think up. I think we found him. Sarah. <laughs> yeah. I think we found the guy. Well, my wife's put, currently walking Sarah, around the dashboard. Put, put the price up quick. <laughs> I just WhatsApp and say, "Honey, do you mind if?" <laughs> Now, the last one, uh, what we spoke about um, off recording was our passion for, my passion, and also with us in, in, in our company for anything NASA. We believe, uh, in an interview I did recently with Andrew Morgan, uh, we had from Watchfinder, we threw each other a question which said, if you could buy one watch in the whole world, what would you buy? One watch to last you forever. And we both said the Omega Speedmaster Professional Moon Watch. For me, it is the greatest tool watch of all time, simply because of what it did. And then you get these ones that come along, like this one we have here in front of us, the dark side of the moon, which some argue completely flies in the face of what the Speedmaster should be. Others argue it is a wonderful evolution of the Speedmaster moon watch. Because if you look at the Speedmaster moon watch, which we happen to have one in front of us here, the dials, they're very different watches. For a start, we've lost a dial. Yeah. But however, we can't deny it is a stunning bit of kit. It is. So I just wondered who, where did that one come from? This was this was a part exchange. Uh, right. And I'm struggling to remember what the guy went for, whether it was a Rolex or another Amiga. I've got a feeling it was a Rolex. But I was very happy to take this in because it is, it is a stunning watch. Oh, it's as you beautiful. Say. The strap's got a little bit of on the end of wear there so it might need one of your your straps as a replacement but uh, nevertheless the watch the case is in brilliant condition the mm. movement uh, was spot on the, 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 the exhibition case back is. is incredible isn't yeah, it because you get it a lot is. of exhibition exhibition case backs they're, they're actually relatively small mm. they've got so much real estate on the back there where they've yeah. filled it I mean it is a work of art it is it, yeah it clearly shows itself off there you're right and so yeah a stunning watch Love I personally like the finish on it, mm. but I also do like you know, your Speedmaster, early Speedmaster, which is a cracking watch in its own right. So it's just say, fascinating it's an to see the two together. Things you've got, are, you've got yeah. a normal Speedy in the window, haven't you? Yeah. The watch in the window. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice one. That's an early, that's an early 80s one. Yeah, that's that, got a story. It's one you didn't pick that out because the guy that's dropped that in has brought me loads of booklets, pamphlets. He's got everything from the day he bought it. Wow. Uh, so that was quite unique and it's got the original papers as well. So... Well, maybe we can run a feature on that another yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be a nice one to do um, for you. So anyway, I just thought this was a really good example, um, which will appear in the magazine, as well as when we're chatting now, of what I thought was a broad representation of the stunning watches that you've got on display. If this doesn't attract people to come along, I don't know what will. Because you, you go past pre-owned Rolex dealers and they've got two or three in the window and I, I to be honest going downstairs I didn't even know where to start yeah. it was like um, the, the proverbial kid in a sweet shop Yeah. Um, so I would just encourage people to come along and look because you've got some I mean any one of those is yeah. hugely desirable watch oh, nice, to, nice for you to say that Richard I mean I suppose our job we'll just keep doing what we do really we'll keep it interesting and uh, we probably will evolve a little bit so we know we, we are dealing with some of the more modern Rolexes as well but we really mustn't lose touch with as you say the variety that the way we tend to do it does make it a little bit unique really and it does keep it interesting for all of us really yeah sure so it rounds off nicely that we've seen we've right bang up to date with where Avanti is at the moment with some of the fabulous stock you've got 
what's the future? Where, where, where do you guys, you know, I obviously appreciate commercial confidentiality. You don't want to say too much maybe, but where do you want to be in the next year? What's your aspirations for the next year? Oh gosh, Sarah, yeah. over to you. <laughs> no, no I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm Sarah, I love Sarah's take on it as well. I mean, for me, um, I think because Malcolm is retiring and we can't be sure whether it'll be full retirement, it probably will be, then it will change things a little bit, I'm afraid, because we're going to have some, some vintage watches that, you know, we, we, we've got that guy that had that wonderful knowledge. So we might have to be a bit more cautious or it might take longer for us to get to the get to a conclusion whether we buy in a vintage watch and when we sell a vintage watch. So we'll still very much keep on board with them, but the process might slow down a bit, which is unfortunate. But I think listening to you today, Richard, it's reminded me that we mustn't we mustn't stop the passion and the interest in some mm. of the, the, the different watches that we get. Work with it, as long as the price and the quality are right, however we get there, we've got to stick with that. I think we will have to, I think we'll naturally move towards some of the newer Rolexes that are within warranty, mm. because there's a lot, it's, that's easier for us in a sense, because everything's right, you've still got manufacturer's warranty. So as we continue to invest in watches, we will probably continue to put newer models in. But you know, it, it makes commercial sense because yeah. I can't walk into the AD and get one. That's right. I, mean, so, I know it's the elephant in the room, but it's yeah. it's the hard truth. So 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 my key thing there really is is trying to locate newer Rolexes that are sought after that we can sell at a price that's competitive that are basically trouble free for us really, and so I think that 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 will keep happening. And we'll keep looking after the interesting and the quirky watches. And uh, we'll, we will make sure that what we put out, we, we can put his name to, really, one mm. way or the other, even if occasionally that means sending them back to Ro um, Amiga or Rolex mm. and paying up for the, for their service, you know. Whereas we could we could do it on board, on, on site before. Mm. So, yeah, sticking with watches, extending the range a little bit, keeping the variety, really, and, and actually believing that, you know, people like yourself who've got a real passion for all this will will keep the, in, the keep the industry thriving. Really, absolutely. I mean, I think that's why we do what we do because we're passionate about it. You do what you do because you're passionate about it, and we meet in the middle somewhere. I think it's yeah, it's it's all good. It gives me huge hope and confidence for the watch market going on, the pre-owned watch market, which I genuinely believe is the preeminent market now. Mm. It, it, it's going that way. I'm sure of it. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, all that remains for me to do is to say thank you so much, both of you, for your time. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you for having us. Oh, yeah. you're yeah. very welcome. Hope we can come back. Yeah, yes. we can do that. Um, and thank you so much, both of you. Um, so this is me signing off from Avanti in Ashbourne. Come and look at the window uh, once we've repopulated it. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, please subscribe to the Watch Gecko magazine, the YouTube channel, and the podcast. And we'll be back very soon with some more fabulous watch content. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>